Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And uh, for the first time, at least since October, maybe this entire season, uh, we actually have like generally positive things to talk about with the Blackhawks. So uh, let's just get right into it because this is actually not going to be an hour of doom and gloom for a change. Uh, and all my line mates are with me this evening, of course, starting off with the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. You can find on Twitter at Jehosa's Witness, and they're no doubt still on cloud nine after what happened Sunday night. It's Shepard Price. We play to win the game. <laughs> we play, but they don't go. As as Motor City Dan Campbell, the lifetime, as far as I'm concerned, the head coach of the Detroit Lions said, we play so that oh. they don't go. I I enjoy like you have fully embraced the Dan Campbell mantra because yeah, that was that is as intense as i think i've ever heard anybody talk about the lions we will go <laughs> next year but we wanted to make sure that aaron Rodgers is done done i think i think like the lions are still in the like plucky upstart team thing that everybody likes them but since uh the bears are a division rival and then like they might be on the way up next season i'm gonna really really hate the lions by this time next year i'm pretty sure but for now we'll just we're all we're all on the same team, pointing and laughing at Aaron Rodgers, uh, walking off the field at a home stadium after getting his ass uh, eliminated eliminated from the playoffs before they even started. Just delightful. Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, also with us this evening, uh, you can find on Twitter at Mill One Eighty Two, and he is the Second City Hockey. What Gwen Stefani is to no doubt, it's Mill Savage. Uh, can I be like ninety five, Gwen Stefani? Yes. Okay, and we, yeah, it's it's no doubt Gwen Stefani. We don't recognize the other Gwen Stefani. We had for those who have not seen our Slack channel, which is anybody that's not uh, on the staff. Uh, we had there was a lengthy discussion about Gwen Stefani last week, uh, where some uh, some ages were obviously revealed by what uh, point of Gwen, St- Gwen Stefani's career uh, we identify with. Uh, there's one person who I will not identify that said, oh, yeah, that's the one with the clothing line at Target, right? Like, oh, man, I can't believe uh, that that's how people think of Gwen Stefani or the first thing that comes to mind. True. Also, I just want to say I find myself in uh, the somewhere in the Venn diagram with both Dave and Shay because my Steelers also are not going to the playoffs, but they are 9-8, and eight, defeating a division rival in the last week of the season. And they kicked the shit out of Deshaun Watson. So round of applause. There you go. Uh, I Really quickly, while Betsy's still zoned out because we're talking about football, <laughs> um, uh, Shay and, and yeah, Shay, feel free to chime in on this as well. But I, I'm always kind of – there's a small part of me that's kind of – I don't know if relieved is the word, but when the Bears season ends – that means I get several hours back every Sunday now because I'm not – I will probably watch some of the NFL playoff games, but I don't watch them as intently as I watch the Bears games. Do either one of you feel the same way? Uh, I, as a Lions fan, I have watched the playoffs more intently than I've watched Lions games in recent <laughs> best. Um, or, your, or your whole life, but – Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's see. The Steelers are often in the playoffs, even if it's just for one game. Um, but I, I do find myself enjoying the, the, the postseason. It's just, I think with more teams now, there's more shitty games. Like who yeah. cares about Miami and the bills, unless there's some upset without, without their starting quarterback playing, they're going to get killed. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not the same as the NHL playoffs because the NHL playoffs, it's like every night for the first two weeks, especially it's like six hours every night for two or three weeks and just a total overdose on hockey. It's wonderful and delightful. Um, right. And that I always get into, but the NFL, like just cause there's so much like it's built up to the, just the three hours on the weekend per game. It's just a different beast altogether. And, and just to throw this out there too, with hockey, since they realigned the way the playoffs are with the, the, the you know, the divisions uh, playing each other in the first round, 
uh, it feels like anybody can be anybody, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Save for, sure. save for one or two series here and there. It's, it feels very, like, exciting. It also feels like there's always potential for a little bit more of a animosity because it's because it's all divisional opponents early on. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we've talked about other things enough, so let's bring in the last member of the group. Uh, sh- she is not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is Second City Hockey's bullet wall of text. It is Betsy. I was going to point out two things. One, I watched sports over the weekend that wasn't hockey, and it was boring, but that's because Georgia like destroyed <laughs> oh, whatever yeah. they were playing. TCU. Um, but I don't – it was yeah. a crazy. Yeah, That's right. okay. Uh, I think most of the world turned that off by the second quarter. It was like 38 to 7. Yeah. No, didn't they like Well, that was, was that that was the half Okay, I was score. like I was like they the, got into the 60s. It was like 62, I think was the final score. Yeah, something That's like what that. I turned it off. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, my mom was very excited. Um, but it was it 65, make, by the way. Okay, yeah. thank you, Shay. Didn't make me want to ever watch football again. No, no it and would then, not. Um, and then my mom kept going, aren't they ranked really high? And I was like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> and then two, why I was thinking about, to me? <laughs> I just happened to be in the room. I was like, okay, I don't need to be here for this. this is... Anyway, and then I was like, happy that, like, which would you prefer someone recognize Gwen Stefani for? A clothing line at Target or her thing with Blake Shelton? <laughs> Like, what do you mean? The fact that she's married to Blake Shelton is that it's all gross? All huh? whatever it is, because he's gross. But yeah, the whole marriage and didn't didn't he like cheat on his person before her? Well, cheat on. I I mean, like to again, this will age myself, but I like Gwen Stefani was married to Gavin Rossdale, the lead singer of Bush, who cheated on Gwen Stefani with the family nanny. So, uh yeah, I, that's I, I I'm aware of the Blake Shelton thing because they're on TV, but I don't know any of the details of their relationship, nor do I really care anymore. Because uh, <laughs> I think uh, it's extremely weird, like when people get obsessed over stuff like that, because I'll be looking up like concert tickets or something and it'll be like, did you mean this person and this person? And it's like, no, I didn't Google. You know, like it becomes like some kind of obsession. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. the uh, that's the the targeted ads come for you real quick on the internet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll say I don't care what you know her for, but listen to Tragic Kingdom. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I only know her for her solo stuff, really. The Black Eyed Peas, I don't. Not really my thing. Black Eyed Peas. She's in No Doubt. No Doubt. No. Sorry, it's because they did that. She, she did. did that she did the song yeah. with Fergie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Sorry. yeah. No, that doesn't, Holl- they don't sound like that. Mill Mill is not a Hollaback girl. <laughs> <laughs> i mean like respect but i mean yeah come on like, I, again i've i've i i don't know if the rest of you are at this point like i i don't openly hate music as much anymore now i just like it's not my thing like when she went solo and did all her pop stuff like fine good for her just not my thing i just find myself being unaware of like random unoffensive music that i don't listen to <laughs> but uh, um absolutely tragic king tragic kingdom still rules i played it Sunday morning after we had or Friday or whenever we had that conversation. So can't can confirm still great. Uh, but Hey, I guess we could talk about some Blackhawks hockey. Now I was trying to make some sort of lame tragic kingdom segue, but it didn't work. So let's just get right into it. Uh, the Blackhawks have won two games in a row, which is the first time that's happened since the first week of the season when they somehow won, I believe four in a row, the first week or two of the season. Um, yeah. and, and, and the big news Shay's the fast fact checker for this episode, so thank you mm-hmm. very much. <laughs> but, um, I think the biggest, like, there's two big things that I noticed or that came away in the stats. Like Friday night against Arizona, for like the first time, I maybe all season. I, I think there may, this might have happened in one or two other games, but the Hawks really seemed to like control the puck, and they had like all the all the possession numbers were in the positive on their side, and they just seemed to have a generally well-rounded, good, solid team performance that led to a win. And I'm not sure that's happened at all at any point this season. And then on Sunday night, the Lucas Reichel show happened, which I think, like I was, I I try not to get too hyperbolic, but like, I feel like that's the best game we've seen from, best solo game we've seen from a prospect since Alex Dabrinkit. And I I don't know if there's uh, been a better one since then. So 
Uh, I, I don't. Those are the main two things I have is just a, a pleasant win on Friday over Arizona and then Lucas Reichel show on Sunday. Uh, so, Shay, I'm just going to throw this over to you and let you take it wherever you want. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take it in a negative direction, so I'm going to throw it to Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> OK. All right. Well, then we'll we'll come back to. Sh- yeah, we can. <laughs> I can talk about Reichel all the way. I didn't make the point in my game. Um, recap because I got I was lucky enough to be able to recap that game um but one of the things that I like to I like to see is um sometimes players have difficulty translating their skills from the AHL to the NHL like you can see that they have potential but they have to get up to speed and we saw that with Reichel last year he had some trouble with just you could see that there was skill there but he wasn't connecting as well mm-hmm Everything he did in the Calgary game, you could watch a Rockford Icehawks game and it looks exactly the same. Like, it's yeah. almost like the on switch went. And Calgary's a good team. So that's Yeah, like, that's the biggest thing I was going to – I forgot to mention is that Calgary is in a playoff spot. They're not – you know, they're still figuring things out because they had so much offseason turnover. But they are a very good team. So it's not like he just lit up the Columbus Blue Jackets or anything. Yeah, and – he did. He did all the things that he would all like. There were there were people that watch um, Rockford all the time, and all they were like, "Well, that looks like a goal he scored in Rockford," or "That looks like a pass he did in Rockford." Because mm-hmm. he's not he's not like Patrick Kane who can like make magic happen with his passes. Though he did have a couple that the the behind the back pass on his initial goal to Seth Jones. Yeah. That, oh, was, that was cool. Yeah. That was really cool. But he's yeah. more known for his like getting to his spots and being very efficient with his passing. Like he can get pucks through traffic very well, which you saw on his other two goal two goals, either through traffic or like off the rush. And then he sold that fake shot really well on the Kurashev goal. Um so I mean just he showed all the skill sets that he is known for in Rockford. Other than he's pretty good defensively down there, I don't think there were a lot of opportunities he needed to be uh, super defensively good. <laughs> um, they kept putting him in the offensive zone, so that that made sense. But um, yeah, I mean, he looked really good. And the I we kept saying on his goal, like, which part did you like best? The initial pass, <laughs> yes, um, which was great because it was like. If that had been a lesser goaltender, you know, and even that goal, you know, even Markstrom did get chased, um, partially because of Reichel, um, or the the rebound, which was also between his legs. Yeah, he scored this first NHL goal with his stick between his legs. Also, did you see who had a front row seat to Lucas Reichel's first career goal? <laughs> Nikita Zadorov, yes. Old friend helping us out by not I was gonna say defense. when 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 Betsy was like, it looks like a goal he scored in Rockford. I'm like, yeah, against the defenseman he'd play against in Rockford. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. So yeah, it's yeah, it's just uh, uh I'm glad you highlighted all those things because again, like that first goal, if you go back and watch it, like there's so many things about so many little parts of the game to enjoy that he pulled off all in one little sequence. And it's like, it's not something I I don't think we can expect him to have a three point night every game. But I think the general idea is when you have a guy who's projected to be a top, a future top six player, that's what they should look like at some point fairly early in their career as a sign of that's what they can do when they figure out how to do that consistently every night. Um, So Mill, what about you? What are your, uh, your thoughts on either just the, the two games or Lucas Reichel or what have you? Well, first I gotta I have to say something that CTA said. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of Reichel probably doesn't care, but it's a shame his first goal came in those jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> and I chuckled at that a bit because it is a, it for the a team like the Hawks who doesn't mix it up much, it is an awkward like if he becomes a guy, you know. Uh yeah. so but yeah, I mean obviously impressive uh the whole play on that goal is really like the pass everything but uh it's nice to have some like person to be excited to watch Mm -hmm. and 
other than that, it's kind of like I'm hoping that there are moments and just exciting goals or passes or plays here and there down the home stretch back half of the season because I feel like those moments are going to be keeping us going. Like It's not going to be winning games. It's just going to be little things here and there. Yeah, I think the part of the reason why like I, I just I feel just generally overall better about the last couple of games is because they lost uh, two of the 23 before that, I believe was the, <laughs> the number. So it was like they are they're not supposed to be good. This is all part of the plan, yada, yada, yada. But they lost 21 out of 23. That is a unsustainably bad streak of hockey. Like at some point you would have expected them. Uh, I guess basically this is the market correction now is that they've won two in a row. Um, you know, they beat Arizona pretty well. They had no business winning the Calgary game, I, but Alex Daylock kept them in it. Go ahead. Milton. I, I desperately tried finding a gif or a clip for one of my recaps from mighty ducks when she's telling the coach, Oh, we're Owen fought or, we're 0 and 9, but one was pretty close. We only <laughs> lost by five, but we almost scored a goal. <laughs> there you I'm go. Like, that's how I feel that's, about Hawks. That's what it's felt like. So I think that's why, like, just the the weekend, uh, the the game Friday and Sunday is just like it's just like a breath of fresh air. It's like, all right, I can I could deal with this. And now, like, maybe they'll lose the next eight. I mean, they've got Colorado coming in Thursday night. I don't think anybody's going to be expecting them to win that game because uh, Nathan McKinnon's back. So. Uh, I'm just going to try and take take the uh, take the breath of fresh air while we have it. And now to rain on everybody's parade, Shay, what you got? Hey, it's me, the Debbie Downer. Um, yeah, when Anaheim's playing as bad as Anaheim is, you can't afford to win many games. Okay. Um, and uh, I worry about the four points they picked up because those four points could could like the the first place only gets an 18 percent chance, but that's still significantly more. In second place, so uh, and second place can go to fourth. Second, first place can only go, go to third, which means Fantilli or Mishkov. Um, well, see, and I and like, I, I like this is like Anaheim. Yeah, they've won four of their last ten, which isn't even good, but for them it is good. Uh, the Hawks are still three and seven in their last ten. So in the last ten games, the Hawks have still gained or lost ground depending on your perspective the team i'm i'd be more worried about is columbus although half their team is hurt i think so maybe they'll get some of their players back and then it won't be as bad but like i just because they lost 21 out of 23 i think i need to emphasize those numbers like that is if you project that over an 82 game season that's what 15 16 points that's impressively bad they were it's, not it's it is significantly worse than the color like their their pace so far this season I've, I've done the math is worse than the historically bad 20 i think 13 14 or late was it later it was somewhere in the middle of the decade. somewhere in the middle those colorado avalanche they got 48 points the blackhawks are, are currently on pace to be worse than that team so what are you worried about Anaheim. Um, also, <laughs> the, on the on the good side, uh, that was oh, for Colorado. Bad, let me fact yes. check you real quick. That was sixteen seventeen for Colorado. Sixteen seventeen. Yeah, That's they like, had forty eight points when they drafted Kale, when they ended up drafting Kale McCarr. Correct. So there's a there's a benefit to being as bad as the as the Avalanche were that season. They did not intend to be that bad, but they were that bad. The Blackhawks were intending to be. I thought anyway. they're out there. It's really hilarious how the Blackhawks are so bad that they'll play a team that's not very good. And against the Hawks, I'm like, man, this team looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, like yes. some of the division teams, like they're not really great, but against the Hawks, they look awesome. And and Shay, actually, I, I just the Hawks were projected to be worse than that Colorado team. Now their pace, uh, because they've won their last two, they are now up to uh fifty point four six points in an eighty-two game schedule with twenty-four and thirty-nine. So they've pulled ahead of like the worst team of the last 20 year pace. But like I said, like they're, Oh they could, no, they could certainly turn around and lose the next yes. eight. It's entirely possible. Um, anyway, so, uh, current, uh, Reichel also looked really, really good with somebody the Blackhawks should want to be good at going forward, which is Phil Kurashev. Well, see, that's, I was kind of, I, I was going to compare and contrast a little bit with Kurashev because obviously we're all big fans of Kurashev. We would like him to succeed and he's not a first round pick. And he's so it's not the best comparison in the world, but like there were times where Kershev looked like he could be a top six guy. I don't know if we ever saw a 
took complete and total game out of Kurashev like we saw out of Reichel on Sunday night yet. And Kurashev is significantly farther along into his NHL career. He's like, it was a, what, a fifth round pick? So the fact that he's even fourth. here is he, fourth. He's still beating the odds pretty high just by making it to the NHL and playing as many games as he has already. Um, I don't know if he's a future top six guy. Maybe he's more of a third or fourth liner, maybe third liner, the way his career's uh, just kind of not, um, it just hasn't quite popped up the way we were all hoping. So it's not necessarily fair, but I feel like it's also kind of the reality of the situation with him. I mean, he's only, what, he turned 23 in October. This is really his first, like if you think about age progression, because age is much more impactful to development than experience. Um, Experience obviously helps, but age, there's a reason age curves exist. Um, And normally 22, 23 would be about where anything outside of the top 15-ish would start really impacting the NHL at a proper level. And look at what he's had to work with. Yeah, I mean, it's not like maybe – Maybe Reichel, like, because Richardson said after the game that they think or they're intending Reichel to stay up even if Patrick Kane comes back healthy. So maybe Kurashev and Reichel are on opposite wings together and it clicks for both of them. And then Kurashev, this is when Kurashev takes off. I don't want to make it sound like I'm writing Kurashev off completely. Yeah. It's just, um, again, well, like, we've been, we've been waiting for that step forward for a while now. And then, like, Reichel did it in his 13th game. Kurashev's played 160. I know, to your point, Betsy, it's like, it's more about age and NHL experience. But I, it's just at some point, you'd like to see more than you've had. So I'll far say of some it. of it, too, could be, it's a, if you want to compare and contrast, it's a good example of the necessity of longer development because obviously, Reichel is a higher prospect. So he doesn't have to be in the HL as long, but mm-hmm. Kershev is not. So maybe he should have stayed in there longer. It's the same thing with the doc thing. Doc should have never played his first year in the NHL. It was just too soon for him. Right. Um, should have, there's a lot of top three picks that just cause they were picked top three. It doesn't mean that they should immediately go into the NHL. Right. Yeah. Everybody was- should take the tapes <laughs> out. Um, yeah. Go back, but- go back to college, get a minor in tox ticket, you know, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I I was gonna point. I was, the other topic that I was gonna bring up from the game that you just mentioned. So we're talking about opposite wings because Kershaw technically was brought in as a center. That's how he was drafted, but mm-hmm. he plays better on wing, in my opinion. And then you have Reichel, who was drafted as a wing but has played center the last few years, except now that he's on the Blackhawks. And honestly, I've always thought it was good experience for him to play center, but better he's I think he's always going to be better on the wing where do you think Reichel is going to end up do you think he's going to be a center or do you think the wing is where he's better suited that's I I think the good thing is is the fact that nobody expects him to be the first line center that that's why they're the Blackhawks are in need of a Bedard or a Fantilli or a Mishka's gonna be a wing probably because he's 510 um but the fact that like he could play second five nine. <laughs> okay, Braden. All right, Braden. Okay, fair enough. Braden Point is also small. Um, yeah. But the fact that that uh, he's not expected to be that like franchise guy, a second line center is not a bad thing to be in this league. Yeah, Evgeny yeah, Malkin has spent his entire career, Hall of Fame career, one of the best players of all time as a second line center. Yeah, well, not a bad thing to be. I mean, he's. I just. I. I Every time I watch him, I think he's a fine center, but I think he's a he's always been a better wing. Like the way that he plays looks better as a winger to yeah. me. Yeah, and, and like I, that was I remember that was a, a grievance I had last December when they called him up because he's been playing center down in Rockford, and then they call him up for an emergency thing, and seemed like they could have played him at center and threw him on the wing anyway. But I I guess if if they're I don't really I guess I don't have too strong of an opinion one way or another on which position he's going to end up in. Uh yeah. I'm just I'm just happy he looks like a top six forward overall. Um it seems like with his like the way he played with like the creativity and everything um that he displayed in the offensive zone, that seems like it might be more fun outside on the wing where he's not as concerned with the defensive side of the game. He can play a little more free. But 
I mean, I, I maybe it, it wouldn't be bad if you had a had a player who could play center for you in a pinch. Go ahead, Shay. Yeah. Right. I think I think the NHL is getting more and more more, especially forward wise, into positionless hockey, and so uh, Reichel might fit into that. It, like the only difference, the only different differentiation between forwards going forward might be who takes the, the faceoff, and so that's yeah. the thing to watch with with Reichel is is how good his faceoff percentage is. Because yeah. like Kane, Kane is basically a forward. But he's been a wing his entire well, not his entire career, but the vast majority of his career, he's yeah, been a he's wing. A, he's a wing who plays like a center. He controls exactly. the line like a center would. I think Reichel could do that too, not to the extent that Kane does, obviously. But right, that- if he, if he can't if he can't win a faceoff, then he's a wing. But if he can win a faceoff, then he's a center. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it's just uh, again, just going going back to the general point of optimism. Of uh, it was nice to have a young player come up and and excel and realize like oh this guy might actually be here when this team is good again uh and then hopefully like this is why i made i feel like i made such a big deal about the way kevin korchinski looked in the preseason even though it was preseason even though he's skating against other ahl players uh he just looked the part uh in the preseason and that's why i got very excited about him and i'm now the same way about lucas reichel like he looked the part so now i'm very excited about his future again i feel like with all the prospects um not only for like the confidence of from an exterior perspective as a fan you want to see guys look the part i think there's also an element of for the uh, player's own individual confidence when they have games like that it helps them realize like oh i can play at this level because i don't think there's enough uh, emphasis or discussion about players own confidence and how much that helps them play. Cause I can tell you Kirby doc certainly never looked confident in Chicago. He looks a hell of a lot more confident now that he's out. Uh, things are going better for him in Montreal and you're, they've been getting better results out of him. So um, I wouldn't discount that on uh, that part of the equation as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, other than uh, Shay trying to rain on our parade, I think that was a mostly positive segment. We haven't had many of those this winter. Hey, I still had something positive to say. I didn't. I didn't bring up Isaac Phillips not being able to translate as Becky, as uh, Betsy said, the uh, his uh, players' abilities to translate translate their AHL play into the NHL. I didn't bring up well, Isaac hey, Phillips not being able like, to do that. <laughs> well, Phillips, I mean, Phillips, another one who's like a fourth or fifth round pick. Like, I'm not. Uh, I know he's still super young for a defenseman. Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not. I'm not worried about Isaac Phillips. No, no. Give give that that one's got to marinate a lot more. So I'm not I'm not worried about that one either. Um, But, you know, it's like trying to think of some of the other higher draft picks who might be here soon. Uh, Korchinski's like the only one um, like uh, Frank Nazer's probably going to go back to Frankie Naz. Frank. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's, he's a play college, which um, it was in, I think, the Michigan Daily, which may or may not be the student paper at the University of Michigan. But they said like they think in a few uh, there was. A report from them that, like, the coach said they think in a few weeks he might get back on the ice, which is at least a step towards returning to action. Uh, Whether or not he's going to play by the end of the season is a whole other uh, discussion for later to see how his body responds when he gets back on the ice. But at least he's going to be uh, back on the ice in a few weeks, it seems. So there's good news on that front. Well, Um, when when he was hurt, his coach did say that he could be back in February or he could not be back this season. Yeah, so – well, because the – uh, the 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 postseason for college hockey is not incredibly far away. So no frozen four soon, right? Um. So yeah. So there we have uh we have some general uh, positive things to talk about. So I think what we're gonna do right here is take a quick timeout. Uh, we've got some other well, kind of on the topic of Blackhawks prospects. Uh, the World Juniors wrapped up uh last weekend, so we can uh, dive into that a little bit more and then uh, see what else comes up. But uh, come back on the other side of this break for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, wanted to dive into some more prospect talk, mainly focused on the World Juniors that wrapped up at the end of last week. Uh, surprise, surprise, Canada won, despite uh, all of their best efforts to shoot themselves in the foot and throw away uh, a tournament that they seemed like they were going to run away with because they had the top two picks in the next NHL draft uh, at the top of their lineup. Um, but the reason we want to talk about it is obviously there were a, a decent amount of Blackhawks prospects 
on the roster for Canada and also the captain for Team Sweden was Victor Sturmborg. Um, the player I want to talk about first, and I guess we should also, uh, we probably won't talk about Colton Doc very much because he was injured at uh, earlier in the tournament, continuing the Doc family tradition, unfortunately. Uh, but the reports out of, well, he j- and he just got traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds, so he's now a teammate of Kevin Korchinski and Nolan Allen, if you missed that, who are two of the other blue liners on Team Canada. And the reports out of Seattle are that uh, his injury is not going to require surgery, so they're going to let him rest up, and I guess they think he'll be back to action in a few weeks, which is probably the best-case scenario. Because um, if any of you were watching that game when Colton Doc got hurt and was leaving the ice, you could hear him screaming in pain, and uh, that was not – uh, not a very good sign or uh, very good sound. So uh, the fact that he's healthy enough that he's not going to require surgery is uh, a significantly good news for him. Um, but Ethan Del Mastro is the place I wanted to start because uh, he was skating what I can only quantify as Duncan Keith minutes near the end of the tournament. Um, I think he was he was like averaging at least 25, if not more. I think he got up near 30 in the uh, gold medal game because that one went into overtime. So just um, obviously the Canadian coaches trusted him heavily. And I know, Betsy, that you had we had a conversation about him. So I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Del Mastro's performance at the World Juniors. He's always been somebody that coaches really like. Um, he always plays big minutes. He's not. Um, he can be offensive, but that's not really his strong point. I don't know if that's going to translate. He could be uh, offensive, but not offensive. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Please continue. I have no idea if that uh, the ability that he has uh, to be offensive. Um, now I'm going to say it wrong. Okay. I'm, gonna stop. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. Put up points um, <laughs> is going to translate to the NHL, but his skills with the puck, his puck handling as a defenseman is extremely strong. It's kind of like how Nicholas Jalmerson was a really good puck handler, but he didn't rack up a lot of points. Um, but he knew how to get the puck through the neutral zone out of the out of the defensive zone extremely well. He knew how to uh, intercept passes and stuff like that. Domestro kind of does that. Um, his style isn't like. Jalmerson, but it's it's the same type of poise with the puck that that they have in a similarly um he skates well he's a big guy um he's really calm like that I think that's the reason coaches like him he knows he doesn't um if he makes a mistake he corrects it he doesn't uh overreact to things he's very positionally sound so that plays into how calm he is so I can understand why coaches like to put him on the ice. There's he's not necessarily going to make the biggest play ever, but he's going to be good for your team. Like he's going to do the right things at the right moment and do them well at the same level the whole time. Yeah. And uh, like the, the offensive side of the game that you mentioned uh, he did one of Connor Bedard's goals. Like I feel like anything that Connor Bedard, any play that he was involved in, the attention entirely went to Bedard because of the insane amount of points he was racking up and all this, like even his, like if somebody else scored the goal, like the first thing the announcer said was what a pass by Bedard. But uh, the one goal, I think it was in the gold medal game where Bedard had to tap it in front of the net because Del Mastro, like from the wall, put a perfect pass right on Bedard's tape. It was like from the wall to directly in front of the net. And all Bedard had to do was put a stick on it and get it over the goalie's pad. Like it was a really impressive pass from Del Mastro. So yeah. uh, like you said, like, I don't think he's going to, he's not in like the Kevin Korchinski mold where he is going to be wrecked, like projected as like a 50, 60 point guy, but he can, he can do it if he needs to, I guess would be the, uh, the description of him. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's almost a point per game player in the OHL in you know what his second third year from draft um i believe he was a 2020 pick he's a 2021 pick 2021 um, there you go uh close. yeah and he had three points in this tournament which is not bad for a defenseman at all um but yeah he's he's an efficient passer so i can see i i, I could see him being like a lesser seabrook in terms of offense but better defensively and that's not not to say that it's weird because it depends on how he develops more. Cause I think he could develop into that type of 
either a really solid second line, second pair defensive guy, or he could be that type of guy that can be on a top pairing that a more offensive guy can springboard from. And and the interesting thing about him is that he was a fourth round pick and we're talking about him in this uh, with this much regard. Like, I think he is already wildly exceeding his draft expectations. There's a long way between where he is now and the NHL level. But uh, uh, what I would say about him is the thing you can say about a, a good amount of prospects in the Blackhawk system. He has done nothing to diminish his stock. Uh, the arrow is firmly pointing up for him. So that's that's nice to see. Uh, Shay, I know you wrote about Victor Stjernborg. I, I never know if I'm saying that right because there's like an S, a T, and a J all together. But uh, I know you wrote about him for the uh, our prospect updates today. So do you have anything to add on to Captain Sweden? Uh, he's not he's so he's playing in the SHL, which is a very good thing for a prospect his age. Um, he's not producing as a problem, but I think he's mm. I, I I don't know if you'd agree with this take, Betsy, but he seems more like in the Marcus Kruger mold where he if he's gonna if he ever comes over, he's gonna be a defensive fourth liner, but he's gonna yeah. be able to like lock down other teams. Definitely. Um and so he is that sort of more defensive mold. He is not gonna be known for his offensive production. Um, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do need a, a shutdown, uh, defensive center. No, I, I think Marcus Kruger was the, uh, the revelation for me personally. And I think probably for a lot of people in, uh, in the Blackhawks fan base that like, there are specific roles within a team and some of them c- can be a Ford who, if he can go an entire season without scoring a single point, and that's fine because that's not his job. And I think um, if, if that's what Sternberg turns out to be and the Blackhawks have a coach that utilizes him in that manner, it could work out very well for the team. It's just like uh, all the all the circumstances need to line up together. So uh, it's like there there is a useful NHL player within Victor Sternberg if he continues on this trajectory. Uh, it's just a matter of him continuing there and then getting the right situation when he gets to the NHL level, if he gets to the NHL level. Yeah. Um, they'll, sure. uh, the other two players uh, we mentioned because they're in Seattle now are Nolan Allen and Kevin Korczynski. Um I saw, I think somebody from the athletic, maybe Scott Wheeler, maybe Corey Pronman, but they had their list of like disappointments of the tournament. And Kevin Korczynski was one of them, which I feel like is mildly unfair because uh, Korczynski is like, he's also eligible for the U 18 world juniors, I believe, but he also, but he played up on Canada. What's effectively the U 20 team at the world juniors this year. And by the end of the tournament, he was only playing like four or five minutes a game. Not ideal, but, uh, hardly like something to write the kid off about. I guess technically you can declare it a disappointment, but I I didn't get that upset about it. Did any of you? No, because like you said, he's the youngest one. They were going to play the older guys. It was just that yeah, there like, were older the, guys that um, were as offensively good as him. You know, like that's just what they were going to do. It's the same thing like uh, last year when they didn't, they, they like kept the team that couldn't go for COVID. There were plenty mm-hmm. of young guys that could have played, but the coaches were like, no, we're going to, we're going to keep the older kids and play them because we don't want them to lose their opportunity. Yeah. Like Del Mastro is going to turn 20 next week. Korchinski will turn 19 next summer. So Del Mastro is a full year and a half older than Korchinski is now. So uh, there's, I, there's an element of like, um, I think the gap between an 18 year old and a 20 year old is significantly larger than the gap between like a 25 year old and a 27 year old. Cause you do a lot, there's a lot of growing and maturing and everything that happens in your late teenage and early 20 years. So I, am not, I'm not, I wouldn't be, I remember initially seeing that and thinking I was like, that kind of sucked, but it's not a big deal. Like Korchinski might be like the top defenseman on Canada's world junior team next year if he's not busy playing with the Hawks, but that's a whole other situation, a whole other discussion for later. Yeah. Any other, uh, any other players or any other thoughts? I mean, Mill, I don't know how much of the world juniors you watched, but uh, if you had any, anything else you wanted to chime in with. 
Uh, I don't watch the world juniors because I can't gamble <laughs> on children. Sorry. <laughs> wow. No, in all seriousness, uh, it's I do check it out. It's hard for me to personally grade a lot of younger players not in the league unless they're the clear standout top overall pick guys because and I think we were kind of talking about this earlier. Uh, and Betsy's pointed this out plenty of times. The late first round through like the fourth round, you don't really know. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard for me to grade. It's kind of on a curve. It's like I'm grading them against their peers, but a lot of their peers aren't going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, Connor Bedard jumps off the screen. He was like eviscerating records. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's bad for people to do that. Like I appreciate all the work everybody else here does on that. It's just hard for me sometimes to, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's, I, I have, it's because like these kids are like roughly high school aged, maybe slightly older, or like, I guess be freshmen in college, like dumb Asher is going to be 20. So that would be a sophomore in college. But uh, there's, there are times where, and like, I, I, if there weren't Hawks prospects in that tournament, I probably wouldn't watch until maybe the gold medal game. And only if the United States was playing in it. So I could like throw a middle finger in the direction of Canada, if the U S won. other than that, like that's, it's the Blackhawks prospects being there that makes me want to watch because I'm I'm watching for the Blackhawks future. Yes. I don't give a shit about Team Canada. Congratulations. Well, you won a hockey tournament. To quote Robin Williams directly, uh, it's your only fucking sport. Congratulations. But you're also right. nice. And, and also and also like true, like and we've spoken about this plenty because of the Blackhawks. A lot of times it depends on like your development with your uh, pro system and coaches between the AHL and whatnot. So the Hawks have probably ruined like everybody <laughs> least for, recently for the last 10 years. Yeah. Whereas like, I'm not saying like, Oh, Kirby doc will be an all-star, but he probably could have been more serviceable. Yeah. Well, I guess, or, like, or whoever, you know, not as a stock. I like, I, I feel like I've been paying more attention to the world juniors recently because the Hawks have had more prospects. And also let me, let me apologize to our uh, Canadian listeners. I, I promise I don't have anything against your country. You guys just, it'd be like our country bragging about winning a football tournament. Like, of course we're going to win. We're the only ones who play it. But anyway, um, like, cause it feels like for so long, like the Hawks never had prospects in that tournament. And if they did, they were playing like third, fourth line roles or third deep pairing roles or the backup goalie. Like Ethan Delmasha was pretty much Canada's number one defenseman in that tournament. I don't remember the last time a Blackhawks prospect did that. Can any, like maybe like Tavo for Finland. I think Tavo had a hell of a showing for Finland in the world juniors, but that would have been close to a decade ago. So I'm trying to think if there's any other Hawks prospects that really showed off at the world juniors. Um, Cause doc obviously didn't get the chance cause he broke his wrist. And then, I'm drawing a blank. I, I can't think of I remember else. being very excited about Jonathan Tape's shootout goals. <laughs> yeah. And, and that would have been cage. that would have been goddamn almost twenty years ago now. So right. I, I, I guess again, this kind of goes back and to And I'm not I'm, saying that to be funny. Like I'm being serious. No, but like because uh, I, I and I think Kane had a few goes in that shootout as well, that that famous tape shootout that they they don't do anymore like they go three on three until they have a, a goal that ends the tournament and i don't i don't think i like that i i, I enjoy three on three well that's because that's because we're of the mighty ducks generation and we both like soccer okay yeah yeah i mean i don't know if it's if you're if you're a real tournament like you can't just put put five skaters back out there and keep skating until someone puts a puck in the net Oh, that, that, yeah. you, you know what's a good so we're talking about Korchinski not impressing though uh, mm-hmm. and then we're talking about when's the last time a prospect did well think about like Alex Debrinkett's one world juniors he didn't do well at all like I mean okay. he got one I think he had one point um, in five games he had a goal and otherwise didn't look very good um, okay. so, so there you go and that was that was during the season that he put up, you know, like over 100 points in 60 games. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like don't you can we can sit there and say it's great that Ethan Domesher did great 
and we're like, cool, this is awesome, but we shouldn't hold it against even Alan. I don't think Alan, Alan did fine. He was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's a totally, like he did, he did the job. He was fine. He didn't blow anybody out of the water, but he also wasn't on the ice for 36 goals against. He was fine. Yeah. As a defenseman, that's job. fine. That's acceptable. Yeah, he, did, he did his job and he did it fine. Um, so yeah, like just take these tournaments as what they are. Very short sample sizes, unless you're doing something like Mill said, exceptionally, if, unless you're Bedard, who was like, if there was ever a de- debate between Bedard and Fantilli, that has been shut. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I made that comment on here once that like, I wondered which sports writer was going to try and serve up the Adam Fantilli should be the number one pick uh, hot take before oh. the draft got here. But uh, it's, it's over. It's Connor Bedard hands down and not that Fantilli is going to be bad. Uh, he didn't have a great tournament, but to Betsy's point, like sometimes players just have a bad tournament. Like that's only, it's only well, tournaments two weeks. hard to tell too. Yeah. You it's, know? it's two weeks. Like some, sometimes you just have a couple of bad weeks and it coincides with the world juniors. Uh, like there's, how there's, fast can you develop chemistry with your coach and teammates mm-hmm, in a tournament yeah, setting? Yeah. But not, and I'm not talking about the NHL playoff tournament, but like in a two, like you said, a two week tournament. Yeah. Oh, and the, the NHL's, playoff tournament comes at the end of an 82 game season. So you've probably gotten to know your teammates by then. Correct. Exactly. One would hope. Exact mundo. Sorry. I was watching demolition man yesterday. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I think that's it for all the hockey talk. Do you have, do you have any other hockey thoughts or hockey opinions or hockey takes or whatever? I, I think we're all still kind of shocked that the Hawks won two in a row again. I didn't think we were going to get that this season. I think Shay was upset about that. Yes, stop winning. They got it. <laughs> Even two games is too too many games. They have to. I mean, sanity wise, for us and the team, they have to win occasionally. Mm, <laughs> You're like, no. yes, yes. I no. because I have to watch this team, Shay. So yes, they have to win occasionally, just to give me. Uh, just, just some so like not even hope. Like I know the season's going to be bad. I just like I just need that little. I need to come up for air a little bit, or I'm going to drown by March. I I just came up for air. I'm good for a few weeks. They can lose four or five in a row. I'll be fine. It, well, it's actually the biggest thing with the Hawks is when they lost to Columbus and San Jose in the same weekend and looked like absolute garbage doing it. That was. That was really a, a tough weekend because, like, uh, I think we talked about this at the start of the year. We know they're going to lose, at least be entertaining, um, and you would like to see them at least be somewhat competitive when they're playing against other shitty teams. They played against those other shitty teams like those shitty teams were the Boston Bruins, and I did not appreciate that. It's true. <laughs> so, so we're, we're – but we're good now. We're good now. Uh, they – I like I'm actually going to the game Thursday night. I'm fully expecting them to get boat raced. I'm pretty much, well, we're going cause it's my mom's birthday present, but also uh, we wanted to pick a good opponent so that there at least was something entertaining to watch. So I'm going to watch McKinnon and McCarr skate circles around the Hawks. Yeah, I was going to say, Shay, there's like a ton of games they're going to lose in the, like they're probably lose to Seattle, Buffalo, uh, <laughs> who knows about that? Uh, St. Louis, who knows about that too? Cause they also are not. Although they, they, but yeah, like I think I think we've discussed this before, but the the way I've I've kind of approached the season, there's the overwhelming majority of games. Uh, I accept that they're going to lose. They're not going to be competitive. Fine. But every now and then, like it's like every two or three weeks, a game will pop up and either just like the way the day went or the opponent or just there's something that like clicks in the back of my head. Like as the game's starting, it's like I kind of hope they win this one. Uh, I, I would like to see a win tonight. And and uh for the most part that hasn't happened. I think the once one time it happened earlier in the season was the Dallas game when I think the Hawks went up by a goal and then went up by two or three more and then gave up like five in the third period to lose it. That one hurt a little bit. So, um, <laughs> they gave you hope and they snitched. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Just, just, I had, I had an ounce and uh, a little dose of hope for a little bit, but yeah, like the upcoming schedules, uh, Colorado Thursday, Seattle, on Saturday and then next that'll be next Tuesday they play Buffalo. Uh those those should be three losses. Uh because Buffalo's Buffalo's really good to, well 
they're they're getting better. All their young talent is really good. Tage Thompson might just score a hat trick by himself because he's awesome. Uh, the Kraken are good, and then they got the Flyers. That that's one that if well the Hawks haven't won in Philadelphia since like 1996 in the regular season, so that streak will continue there. Although it'd be hilarious if they actually won. Um, then in St. Louis, LA, well, Vancouver's falling apart, Calgary again, Edmonton again. Well, then the, the big game to highlight, and we'll get to this more when the, the game gets closer, but February 7th at the United Center, Blackhawks and Anaheim Ducks. Uh, that's, that's going to be a pretty big game, uh, for, for standing purposes. But we'll, uh, we, we got a few weeks before we can start working. Might go to that and wear a Ducks jersey. <laughs> And actually, I was looking to see if they play the Blue Jackets again this season because uh, they've already lost to them once. And uh, they – okay, they played them twice in a span of a week at the end of December, and they split those games. So nothing uh, gained or lost in the standings with them. So so there we go. I guess we're okay there. All right. For real, though, last time, any other hockey thoughts? I think we're good. Good for a while. <laughs> yeah. Good till next week. Then, then we'll see where we're at. Um, so – uh, we were trying to come up with a food-related topic because, again, we have to claim our mantle as the best food-themed hockey podcast on the internet. And uh, I guess what I what I've come up with, I have, I just this is more of a pro tip for the for the kids out there. Uh, if you are this is and this is specifically for the carnivores in the crowd because this is a meat-eating thing. So sorry, Mill. Uh, but this is something you maybe could spread around to people. Um, if you're if you're a fan of like ham or turkey, I highly recommend a week or two after the holidays have passed associated with those foods, go to your nearest grocery store. They will have giant turkeys and or hams, whatever, for like 50 cents a pound. Take it home, cook it up, carve it up. You can freeze like a half to three quarters of it, however much you think you're going to eat. But you're going to get like eight, nine, 10 pounds of meat. That's going to sustain you for another month or two um, on, on the cheap, like as cheap as you could possibly get it. Cause I don't know if any of you have been to a grocery store recently, but those prices are not very low right now. So uh, if you're looking for a way to save some cash, uh, I don't know if any of the grocery stores are still doing this, but uh, although I was at the grocery store last week and I think there was hams that like 10 pound hams for like 60 cents a pound. So doing the math in my head at six bucks for a hell of a lot of ham. Uh, and the other thing you can do with this whole thing is if you've never carved a hammer or a turkey before, and you would like to do it at some family holiday coming up in the future, uh, you can kind of practice at home by yourself without some other family member heckling you if you do it poorly the whole time. So uh, not only do you get some food, you can get yourself some carving lessons. Uh, so that's the thing. If you've got, uh, if you got time this week and if your grocery store still has some left over, go see if you can get yourself a big holiday ham and uh, carve it up for yourself and save it for a while. So that's my thought. It's a good one, but we at our, like, so I think I've said this before, but at pretty much every holiday we have a ham. I don't know if that's like a Southern thing. Um, but we have it at Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. I know Easter is like a normal thing, but like mm-hmm. I usually have, Fourth of July July ham? That's I mean, why not? Um, Because you have burgers and hot dogs at the Fourth of July. uh, We have that too. It's like it doesn't. It's like it's it's not. It's it's not a barbecue too. It's Um, not an or. It's an and. Yeah, I gotcha. I'll say if there's like pork barbecue, we don't have ham, but it just depends on what who brings what. If you're going to like a thing or, but if it's going to be like family, like it's not going to be like a bunch of people, it's going to be just, we're going to get like a ham. Um, but the, the best part you were talking about, like freezing and stuff like that. Uh, my favorite dish that we have after once, if we've already frozen stuff or whatever is, um, ham and vegetable soup. It's like normal vegetable tomato based soup, but you've, cooked with the ham bone in it and then you put ham inside of it too i know that defeats the purpose if you're actually wanting vegetable soup but it is <laughs> the best it makes vegetable soup taste even better um because it's got that nice ham porky taste to it too so highly so like, recommend okay so how how does this work because uh like i carved up i i got as much meat off the bone as i possibly could without cutting off my own fingers in the process and then i threw the bone away so do I need did I make it impossible for myself to recreate this dish? No, you can do like you could do like ham 
like you so you make ham stock essentially the bone would be better okay. if you're making the stock with it but um you could still just essentially do the same thing you would normally do which is like let it boil <laughs> you know get all the get as much of the juices out of it as you can mm-hmm. um, normally i we would you would do the bone in part of it and let it get all that out of it as well but yeah look up recipes because there's a bunch of them we do tomato based vegetable soup um with like the normal whatever packet of soup mix you want ours mm-hmm. always come with like okra because my mom loves it and i'm always the one picking it out because i only eat okra when it's fried um otherwise even in soup it's too slimy it's a weird <laughs> well this this is absolutely like soup and chili season it's it's the uh hot brothy i i don't know where i'm going with this but you know you know the you understand the category of food i am getting at like mm-hmm. it's cold outside we want some hot soup we want some hot chili to warm us up this is the time of the year for all of those things and also it's the two worst months of the year because we just had the holidays and it's cold and shitty outside so let's stay inside and make some nice meals for ourselves so it's actually like 50 degrees out though okay okay but i mean it's it's coming like we like it, it's nice like, right it's tolerable right now but i old man uh, winter's coming i'm sure and, and i'm being 100 percent honest if i didn't have work today i would have went golfing <laughs> It's colder down here than it is up there because it's like uh, 38 right now. It was nice today. It's going to be, I think we're going to hit like a low of like in the 20s at some point this week, but that's probably the lowest it's going to be for a while because um, it doesn't yeah, well, get there. Well, we, we, got, there. We, we got the um, we got the negative 20 right before Christmas, so I think we're good for a while, but no, like – I'm sure I'm sure there's the 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 massive maybe another uh, polar vortex coming and we'll we'll get some snow. We'll get some ice and then we'll need some hot soup to warm us up because uh, it's going to be fucking freezing everywhere. I do love soup. If I get I, I think we, last time we talked about this, my whole reason for wanting Panera in my home was for soup. <laughs> all right. So I, I have. All right. I'm glad you brought up soup because I have a thought about soup in general and why. I like I I think I just need to pursue making it myself because I struggle to eat soup just about from anywhere else whether it's the buying it at the store or buying it or getting it at a place like Panera cuz they're so goddamn salty and I just can't deal with the amount of sodium that is in so many of these soups. And I don't know if you make it at home by yourself it'll be with like fresher ingredients so there's not as much sodium in them cuz there's not as many preservatives in them but I, I really struggle with a lot of so a lot of uh, store based soups, uh, store and restaurant based soups because of how salty they are. I, I back you on this. Um, I eat a lot of homemade soups, so I don't use as much salt. But uh, I will say that I add more water than recommended a lot of times when I make it from a can or a box. Okay, maybe like maybe if I'm sick, you know, and I have to have it, and I can't cook. Maybe maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's what I got to do. Because I'm with you, Dave. Like, too much salt for me on anything, it kills it. Shay, do you have any soup thoughts uh, while we're on the topic? I love soup. I love okay. soup. Okay. <laughs> I wish I wish we had, like, just a, a button I could push just to have that drop. Just, I love soup. <laughs> I, love um, soup. I, can, I can make that into a sample. <laughs> well, well, yeah. All right. We're all, we're all soup lovers here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Indeed. I mean, yeah. I just, uh, I, I, I think I'm, maybe that's what I'll do this winter because uh, this is the time of the year to make up some cooking things because I'll do it during the next Hawks game because uh, God knows that they're not, uh, they're not While the most exciting there. team to watch. Well, okay. The one after that. Sunday? Sunday. There you Fair go. enough. Sunday is the Sabres or Saturday, whenever the hell it is. And I don't really want like soup in a in a bread bowl. Those I mean, th- those are or good. Th- those are good, but <laughs> th- that's another that's another uh, thing that I think I looked up the calorie information on at one time, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I. Oh can do no, that it's to terrible. <laughs> yeah. so to, many so many carbs, so you know, many like carbs. The whole like freshman fifteen thing was all for me. Was I think all bread bowl? Because <laughs> <laughs> they our our student center had um, like a soup station and like the most perfectly done. Um, bread bowls and I was like cool that's just what I'll eat every day <laughs> during this, the winter I was like this was not a good life choice that's okay I think I eat pizza for like three straight semesters 
Yeah. All right. Well, this uh, this soup segment was brought to you by Brian Campbell, and uh, that's that's all I got. Any other final thoughts before we? And, uh... and the guy from the Wonder Years. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Any, that's anybody whose last name is Campbell has to be sick of the nickname Soupy because it's just it's everywhere. There, Do they call Dan Campbell that? Not the singer, but the coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shay, does is Dan Campbell Soupy as well? No, he's MCDC. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. He, he's the otherwise known the as the ballsiest coach alive after that awesome fourth down the, play. The old, the old kneecap biter. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I guess he's got other nicknames. Betsy's like, I've zoned out once again. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, yeah, we just lost Betsy. All right. I, it's I, it's uh, somehow we've got it now. It's down to science now. We just think about football, and Betsy's already just completely gone. She's like in the soup zone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's thinking about bread bowls. I mean, who is that? Yeah, yeah. who whom's among us? All right. Well, I think that's enough. That's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Shay is on Twitter at Jehovah's Witness. Mill is at Mill182. I'm at DMelt57. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at SecondCityHockey.com under the name LBR, where you can find all of our stuff, plenty of games, recaps, and previews there. And we're diving into some prospect stuff this week. And keep an eye out. We're going to start uh, doing some regular updates on uh, some of the players we talked about that might be the Hawks uh, number one or two or whatever pick next year in uh, Bedard and Fantilli and Mitchkov and Leo Carlson. So keep an eye out for that. And then uh, keep an eye on these airwaves because we'll have another episode next week talking about whatever the Blackhawks are up to the next few days, considering they've won their last two. Uh, we're, we have a pretty good idea of what's coming, but, uh, we wanted to enjoy the two wins while we could. And, uh, we, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we had. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you then. I'm not coming the same old. I don't leave them the 